Welcome to the Heart of Rural America podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Radke, a South Dakota cattle rancher, wife, mom of four, children's book author, and motivational speaker. I've started this show with a simple goal in mind, to share the untold stories of the often overlooked independent farmer and rancher. On this program, we'll discuss the challenges that face rural America today, as well as the anti-animal agriculture agenda that seeks to eliminate our way of life. And in the face of these ongoing battles, we'll also explore impactful solutions and meaningful pathways to profitability in order to keep producers on the land, to safeguard our private property rights, and to keep meat, dairy, and eggs on the dinner table. And in stark contrast to the ugly, divisive headlines in today's mainstream media, the heart of rural America will celebrate the faith, family values, patriotism, and work ethic of the incredible people I meet in my travels as an agricultural speaker. I hope you'll be inspired by these agricultural entrepreneurs, leaders, and rural families just as I am. Now let's hit the dusty trail together as we uncover the heart of rural America. Hey everybody, I want to welcome you to the first recording of the Heart of Rural America podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Radke, and when I tell you this show has been a long, long time coming, that is not an understatement. So, you know, instead of putting it off any longer, instead of kicking the can and saying life is too busy and I don't have time to take on a new project, It is time to jump into the deep end, enter the crazy space of podcasting, and record this first episode. It's going to be real. It's going to be raw. It's not going to be polished at all. You and I are going to be getting through this for the first time together. And I just want to thank you, first of all, for being here. I know there's so many podcasts you could listen to. And so to take a chance on mine, to spend some time with me on this podcast, I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for the time. And I hope through this body of work that I plan to create through this show, that it's valuable and meaningful and inspirational and uplifting and informative and all of those things. And later on in the show, we're going to talk about kind of the goals of this podcast and, and what I plan to cover as far as topics and guests and all of those things. But for starters, I thought it would be kind of relevant to introduce myself. I don't know if you started following me recently with you know, shopping my retail site, amandaradke.com, or if you've been an OG follower since the very beginning, since before I had gray hair, since I was a high school kid making my way in this agricultural world. But welcome. Thank you for being here. And if you don't mind... I thought it would be important to just kind of introduce myself so you know what you're getting into with this podcast. Just to start off, we're going to take a walk through memory lane. I got started speaking as an eight-year-old kid in 4-H. Never in a million years did I think that it would become a full-time career for me. But in 2022, I spoke at 52 events across the country, and I'm slated to do just as much in 2023. And it's the honor of a lifetime to get to go to these agricultural conferences and speak to so many producers on the road. And honestly, I learned so much from them. And the reason that this podcast has just been needing to come out is because, you know, people, they hear me speak 
And then they'll say, Amanda, do you have a podcast? I'd love to learn more about what you do. And I'd always say, you know, I don't, but I do have a blog. I write a column that goes out every week to different publications across the country called the Radke Report. You can read it at amandaradke.com. And I talk about consumer trends and egg policy and threats to animal agriculture and the fake meats trend that's like horrific and scary and like a terrible sci-fi movie that we're going to get into in later episodes. Uh, we talk about family values and my faith and raising kids and production agriculture and all of those things. And, and so that's always been an option and, and I've always been a writer. So it was just my comfort zone for me. And yet the request for podcasts continued and probably what pushed me to finally bite the bullet and start this thing, whether I was ready or not, uh, is the fact that it occurred to me that when I'm on the road speaking, which it's challenging for me, I'm not going to lie. It's not glamorous. Right now, as I'm recording this, I'm sitting on a hotel bed in Tennessee. I'm getting ready to speak at the Tennessee Cattlemen's Association meeting in the morning. So got up early, flew all day, left my kids at home with my husband, Tyler. We have four children, ages nine, seven, six, and five. Life is crazy. Right now we're busy at home on the ranch cutting hay. Today, my husband Tyler had loaded up the kids and was headed with the pickup and trailer and a donor cow that was going to go get flushed at Transova. And so he's hauling her, then he's delivering bulls. And you know, the kids are in tow as they always are. They go with us to Basically everything we do, whether it's a speaking event or a cattle sale or a land auction or whatever it is we're doing, kids are with us. And so life is, is usually pretty chaotic. So I'm sitting here, it's not glamorous, and but honestly, it's the only space I have had lately to just have a quiet moment to record this first episode. So bless my children. They don't give their mother much peace too often. And so I am very thankful for this quiet time. I've put my phone on airplane mode to eliminate any interruptions. And so it is go time. It is time to rip that bandaid off. It is time to make this first show. And I'm just grateful for you being here. And so just to kick things off, if you haven't heard of me before, let me introduce myself. My name is Amanda Radke. I'm a South Dakota cattle rancher from Mitchell home of the world's only corn palace. You could skip it if you want, but some people think it's a bucket list tourist item. I don't know. You come visit us, stop at the corn palace, and you let me know what you think. My husband, Tyler, and I, we own Radkeep Land and Cattle. We focus on Angus and Limousine and Limflex genetics. We sell bulls and heifers at our place in Mitchell, and uh, we're raising our four kids on the ranch. And our story began at South Dakota State University. We met on the meat judging team. So I always joke that uh, we fell in love over ribeyes, which is really on brand for a beef girl, right? That, <laughs> that writes about beef kettle issues. But that's how our story began. And we got married shortly after college and, and bought an acreage just a half a mile from my parents. And so we're really grateful to have a village close by as we're raising these kids and growing our businesses and running so many, so many balls in the air, I guess, juggling balls in the air. So we're just in that season of life. It's just so important to us to have family around. And, and so that's, that's our personal life. We're also foster parents. I'm going to leave that out for today, but we're going to have a whole episode on foster care sometime down the road, because that does to me exemplify 
what the heart of rural America really is, the focus of this show, um, which is highlighting good things, good acts, good deeds, good people, good things that people do in rural America to make our communities a better place. And so I have met some amazing families through foster care. We've had some pretty life-changing experiences ourselves, including adopting a little boy out of foster care. But like I said, that is an, a full episode or five uh, down the road, but it's, it's a big piece of what we do. So I had to mention it today. But anyway, uh, so in addition to raising kids and cattle on our ranch, I'm a children's book author. In 2011, I teamed up with an incredible Western artist named Michelle Weber. She's a ranch mom of five who raises Red Angus cattle over in Minnesota. And together we have written eight going on nine children's books that are agriculturally accurate that teach kids about where their food comes from. And so I focus on going into schools and classrooms and libraries and reading these books and introducing kids to the wonderful world of agriculture. But a lot of you guys might know me in another way. I was a writer for Beef Magazine for 13 years where I wrote four blogs a week on beef industry issues. And it was I now going on a couple years now, but my, my time at Beef Magazine came to an abrupt end. And I haven't talked much about why I left or how I left or the circumstances of why that chapter closed. But I think it might be finally time to spill some tea on that. And so when we get back <laughs> from this quick commercial break, I'm going to talk about my time with Beef Magazine lessons learned, why I've pivoted in a new direction, and what's next for Amanda Radke and for this show. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. I'm Amanda Radke and this is the first recording of The Heart of Rural America. The Heart of Rural America is presented to you by my dear friends at CK6 Consulting, a cattle business consulting service with a purebred Angus focus. I recently joined the CK6 crew, and I would love to connect with you at an upcoming sale. Check out the sale calendar at ck6consulting.com to learn more about opportunities to invest in elite Angus genetics coming from our progressive and innovative clients who truly exemplify what it means to be the heart of rural America. And for all your semen needs, visit ck6source.com, an online stud service that features some of our clients' top performing bulls. Give Chris Earle, Wes Teeman, Cody Fleeman, or myself a call with any questions or business inquiries you may have. CK6 is all about families helping families, and I'm so proud and grateful to be a part of it. Now let's get back to the show. And we're back. I'm Amanda Radke, the host of the Heart of Real America. And before the break, I kind of hinted that I might be sharing some tea. It might be spilling the tea. I don't know. How do the kids say it these days? Is it spilling the tea? Sharing the tea? I don't know. Someone enlighten me. Either way, my time with Beef Magazine was an incredible blessing. It was my first big break. When I was in college, I knew I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a journalist in agriculture. I loved researching the issues. I was interested in politics and ag policy, and I wanted to report on the challenges that faced independent farmers and ranchers. Quite honestly, what motivated me was thinking about my parents, my grandparents, people that maybe 
weren't inclined to stick up for themselves. I wanted to be their voice. I wanted to defend them in the public square. I wanted to push back against animal rights activists. I wanted to do all these things. And so ed communications and journalism was my focus at school. And of course, I'm this poor college kid. And so I needed to make some money. Uh, so I wrote 30 letters to different ag publications asking for a chance for an opportunity. I received 28 rejection letters. Number 29 was a local newspaper that wanted me to write in the women's section and said I could submit a recipe for free. Um, I did do it, by the way, because I knew the importance of building your resume and getting that exposure. But quite frankly, I'm a terrible cook unless it's grilling some steak. And so it was hilarious to my family that my my first big writing job was submitting a recipe that, let's be honest, was my mom's recipe for this publication. But lucky number 30 was with the Tri-State Livestock News out of South Dakota writing news articles. And they said, we need you ASAP. We, we need two articles a week. When can you start? And so I started gaining some writing experience with this paper, writing two articles a week. It was a great challenge and, and hugely rewarding for me when I was in college. Uh, but then my big break came, and that was with Beef Magazine. I had met the then editor, Joe Roybal, at an event. He, it was at a scholarship event at SDSU. And I walked up to him after the banquet and shook his hand and introduced myself. And I said, you know, I need an internship to graduate. And my, I would love to work for Beef Magazine if there was an internship opportunity. At the time, to me, Beef Magazine was like the leading top publication in the country. And I knew if I could get in there, it would just be an incredible opportunity but it was a long shot. I knew it, but I needed to take the chance. And my mom had always told me, always gave me advice as a kid, that the worst thing somebody could say to you is no, that, you know, you can ask for the opportunity. And I guess what's the worst that happens? They say no, no harm, no foul. And so that was my advice that I worked with as I approached Joe Roybal, who was an incredibly brilliant mind, an amazing writer, top-notch writer and editor pushed me to become a better person, quite frankly. But he said, you know, we don't have an internship. I'm sorry. But about a week later, he called back and said, you know, we found some money in the budget to bring it to Minneapolis. Would you like to do an internship with us? And so I moved to the cities, absolutely hated it, hated every minute living right across from the Mall of America and working in a skyscraper. And I knew I could never work in a big city ever again. I had lived in DC for a summer. I had studied abroad in Argentina and lived in Buenos Aires for a summer and just big city life wasn't for me. I was a country girl. I was a cowgirl. I had to get back to cattle as soon as I could. I knew that much. Um, but I also knew I needed to bring some cash flow back to the ranch if I ever came back. And so Beef Magazine was it for me. And so I spent the summer with them and their challenge to me was we need to drive traffic to the website. Do you have any ideas? And at that time, and I know this makes me sound super old, but at that time, blogs were brand new. And so I, I had been writing a blog through college. Gosh, you guys are going to laugh. It was called Chewing the Cud, I think. Like, wow. Uh, <laughs> the, the mind of a 19-year-old, right? But I'd been writing this blog post through college, just trying to develop my writing skills and report on beef industry issues and just kind of develop you know, my voice in that arena. And uh, so I said to Joe, well, here's this blog I'm doing. What if we added a blog to Beef Magazine? And 
He said yes. And so that's how Beef Daily was born. It started in September of 2008. And for 13 years, I wrote four blog posts a week reporting on beef industry issues. And it, it was a wonderful opportunity and opened a lot of doors. But as my time came to a close with beef, it became apparently obvious to me that maybe I didn't fit in anymore. Leadership change, ownership changes going up to New York and the big cities. It changed the focus of the publication. And pretty soon I realized I was the only one that had cattle, that had skin in the game at the magazine. And, you know, there's some wonderful writers, there's some great talent at the publication, but I really felt like I needed to be boots on the ground more. I needed to be around people that were fighting the fight, that understood the challenges, that owned cattle and paid the bills, wrote the checks, fed the cattle, put up the hay, calved out the cows, understand the sacrifice and the toil and the blood, sweat and tears of this way of life. And I can't speak for Beef Magazine, but you know, they let me go and rather suddenly with not much notice. And, you know, it was right after the 2020 election, political tensions were very high at that time. I had been writing about ag policy and how I saw the 2020 election shaping our country as far as the future for beef cattle producers. And quite frankly, I, I wasn't very complimentary to now President Biden. I thought his policies would be disastrous for American agriculture, especially his things like 30 by 30 that aims to put 30% more land back into the federal government's control, which is a pathway to starvation. It's degrading and chipping away at our private property rights. It's anti-human because it eliminates our ability to provide the essentials of life through ruminants raising the land, through logging, through um, drilling for oil, all of these things. And so I was vocal about it. And of course, when tensions were high, I was basically asked not to talk about agriculture policy anymore, which I had done for 10 plus years. And so it really killed me. It killed my soul. It just broke me apart that I wasn't able to vocalize on some of these issues that I thought were so critical to the independent farmer and rancher back at home that needed someone out there speaking for them and fighting for them. And so I think it was kind of a mutual thing, you know, when they said, like, your time is up here. It was a really tough goodbye for me at the time. But now looking back in hindsight, it was a huge blessing. It's given me some time and an opportunity to really evaluate what I wanted to do next with my life. And I should say I've done a lot of things since they let me go. Of course, the pandemic hit, and that's going to be a whole other episode in itself, talking about food security and what we learned during that time. Uh, so stay tuned for future episodes. But I learned a lot during that time and tried to figure out, you know, what's next for me, what's going to give me purpose and what's going to fuel my passions. And it's taken me a few years to figure out exactly what that might look like. But when we come back from this commercial break, I want to talk about what's next for me and how this show fits into the grand picture. We'll be right back. Working cattle can be stressful at times, but the job is made so much easier with equipment that is safe, strong, and simply designed. I highly recommend Real Tough Livestock Equipment for all your working facility needs. 
We just installed the deluxe chute at Radculand and Cattle, and it has been an absolute game changer as we run cows through our chute during AI season. It's durable and easy to use, and it's made to last a lifetime. Real Tough offers a wide range of products, including calving barns, panels, loading chutes, tubs, alleys, and portable working systems. Manufactured in the U.S. of A., Real Tough is family-owned and operated. Their commitment to helping farm and ranch families truly exemplifies what this show is all about. Learn more at realtough.com, that's T-U-F-F, and be sure to tell them Amanda sent you to receive an extra bonus with your order. Let's get you some iconic green Real Tough equipment headed your way. I promise you're going to love it. And we're back. It's Amanda Radke for the first episode of the Heart of Roll America podcast. Man, the time is just flying by. I have so much I want to cover before I let you go. But in a nutshell, after Beef Magazine let me go and I was kind of just struggling, where, where do I fit into the grand scheme of things? How can I use my voice to best serve people? And, you know, the pandemic hit. I lost a year's worth of not only writing work, but speaking work. I wasn't on the road anymore. I couldn't go read my books in schools. And life radically shifted for me in so many ways. It's when we started foster care. We had a dozen kids come into our home during the pandemic. It's when I really took time to evaluate what meant the most to me. And to me, what, what means the most is first and foremost, my faith. And it was like an aha moment from God that said, hey, I didn't give you a voice to write and speak and have this platform on social media just to talk about cows and steaks all the time. You need to use it to share my message too. And so I started really leaning into my faith um, because let's face it, you have to have faith to be in production agriculture. I could not get through the tough South Dakota winters, the calving seasons in the snow, the constant work. And that is demanded of you to be in production agriculture. I could not get through the volatility in the markets, the unpredictable weather, the hardships that come with being in the beef cattle business. I could not do it without faith. I could not raise my kids without my faith. I could not have a wonderful marriage without my faith as the foundation. And so it was an aha moment for me that I was going to need to share my faith. And once I started doing that, people started saying, you know, Amanda, you're probably not going to get as many speaking gigs. People aren't going to invite you to do things. You should probably tone it down a little bit. But I knew what the cost would be. I knew what the risks were. Um, I, I fully realized it might alienate people, but I knew that's what my assignment was. And it's only been a blessing and it's brought so many wonderful people into my life, which is where this show comes in. So in the meantime of trying to figure out, you know, how do I enter the egg media space again? What do I do next? I did quite a lot. I uh, started a retail space. You guys have probably checked it out. AmandaRadke.com. We have everything from Navajo jewelry to Ariat jeans and cowboy boots and clothes to shirts that have farm and ranch messages on them. Um, all of my books, as well as toys and games and puzzles, uh, perfume and cologne and candles and home decor and blankets. It's just become like this avalanche thing that I never planned to do, but when you use, lose a year's worth of work, you've got to pay the feed bills somehow. And so that retail game, quite honestly, saved our family during the pandemic. 
and it's it's been a huge blessing, but I knew I needed to get back in the arena in ag communications too at some point. I also wrote several children's books. So our first book came out in 2011 and since 2019, that's when the rest of the seven have come out. So Michelle and I have been very busy punching out books and getting them spread all across the country, teaching kids about where their food comes from. But still yet, I I just struggled with where, where do I need to land? And, you know, along the way, I have met so many wonderful people who have steered me in the right direction or given me good advice or given me words of encouragement or the motivation I need to just keep pushing forward. And one of those is, is our show sponsor, which is uh, Chris Earl with CK6. I recently just announced that I joined their team and I'm going to be getting involved in the Angus breed, promoting the producers, uh, the clients that they work with, the great the great crew there, Chris Earl and Wes Teeman and, and Cody Fleeman. And the reason it's so fitting is not only is this a family-owned company that's grounded in their faith, but Chris Earl and his team believe the same thing I do, which is you know, we have to keep producers on the land. We have to fight for the independent beef cattle producer who doesn't want a hand up or a subsidy or a handout. He just wants a level playing field so he can compete. And I want to help producers to become price makers instead of price takers, because when they do that, they can increase their profitability, which keeps them on the land fighting for another day. Because here's the deal. Here's the challenges that we're facing right now. You know, according to the U.S. Egg Census data, the U.S. has lost 75% of its feedlots in the last 20 years. 80% of farms and ranches rely on off-farm income just to support and pay for those operations. Every year, we lose another 1,200 stockers and cow-calf producers, and we lose another 2,300 dairy farmers each year in this country. What does that signal to me? It tells me that the family farmer and rancher is in desperate need of help. They are in trouble. And people say to me, well, Amanda, what does it matter? Like if they're not efficient, if they're not sustainable enough, if they're not doing X, Y, Z to be profitable, they probably are dumb. They probably deserve to go out of business. To which I say, no, we have a David and Goliath situation in agriculture today where the deck is stacked heavily against the small farmer and rancher, especially the animal agriculturalists, the folks raising the meat, dairy, and eggs in this country. And if you don't see it coming, boy, buckle up because it is coming. We are getting signals of it happening in radical, drastic measures over in the European Union, in the UK, where producers are being told to voluntarily sign up to retire and call their dairy and beef cows. And if they don't, they'll be forced to get out of the business. And it's all in the name of climate change. And that's a whole other episode in itself. Don't even get me warmed up and started on that one because I could go on for hours about what a scam and what a Ponzi scheme it is and how we will never be green enough for people who don't want us to be in business in the first place. But that's another story for another day. But here in the United States, the policies are set against the livestock producer. The policies are set against the small family farm and ranch. The animal rights activists and environmental extremists are relentless 
and their attacks on these individuals. And all it is doing is leading to further concentration, consolidation, and vertical integration of our food supply, which is dangerous. It's not just sad for the farmers and ranchers that are being pushed out of business. I mean, that is tragic. That breaks my heart. But it's dangerous because the more consolidated and centralized our food system is, the more vulnerable we are as a general public. Because we saw it with the pandemic. If one thing goes wrong, the whole system collapses. Our strength comes from the diversity of small family farms staying on the land, maintaining their private property rights, and protecting our ability to provide people with nourishing, safe, and affordable meat, dairy, and eggs at the center of the dinner plate. And that, my friends, is what this show is all about. I am here not trying to speak for all of agriculture. I'm certainly not going to be a shill for every big corporation and association and organization that exists out there. And if that loses me speaking gigs and writing gigs, so be it. My fight here is for my family. This is a personal vested interest for me. I've got skin in the game. I've got little kids that want to grow up and be cowboys and cowgirls someday. If it's going to be, it is up to me. It is apathy in this country that has gotten us here, and now it is time for us to take action. But I don't want to come on to this show and just tell you that everything's bad and that the challenges are so great and that these obstacles that weigh so heavy upon us are just going to crush the small family farmer and rancher. I mean, it's happening. It's happening at an alarming rate. But this show right here is aimed to give you hope to tell you that there is a promise for better days through better ways. And now I sound like an FFA member, which I was. (laughs) But it's because the people in rural America have a heart that is on fire for what they do. You love the Lord Jesus Christ. You love your family. You love your neighbor. You love your communities. You love your land. You love your livestock. It's what you live, breathe, and do and what you've done. For generations upon generations, and I'm here to help you fight for it. And how we're going to fight for it is we are going to highlight and celebrate the good people in rural America that are doing incredible things to move the needle, to change the political and cultural societal trends in this country in a positive direction. And how they are doing it is by becoming price makers and not price takers. They are doing new and innovative things to increase their profitability and find new pathways to success. They are investing in mainstream rural America and they are building the foundation for which their kids can grow up into. They're not outsourcing their best talent and their best kids to the big cities. They're keeping them right at home and creating opportunities for them to do so, to thrive so that families can stick together, so that communities can be stronger, so that farmers and ranchers can do what they do best. And that's how we reclaim, revitalize, restore, Renew rural America. And it cannot be done by scientists, by professors, by associations, by marketing companies, by fast talking media pundits. It can only be done by you and me, my friends, working together, highlighting what is good, celebrating what makes us great, and then screaming those stories from the rooftop. Because I guarantee you, 
If the voting public had the chance to meet the people I know in rural America, they would love us and they would fight alongside of us to ensure that we have a safe and healthy food supply in this country, to ensure that families can continue being stewards of the land and the livestock, which is their generational tradition of excellence. That's what we're doing here on this show. I really appreciate you being here and giving me this opportunity to share what the focus is. It is my promise to you to continue to fight for the independent farmer, rancher, and egg entrepreneur in this country through the private sector. I'm not asking for a handout. I'm not asking for a government program. Quite frankly, I'm asking for Big Brother to get out of the way and let capitalism do what it does best. But in the meantime, folks have to have hope. They have to find new ideas to explore, to push back, to lift each other up, and to find new opportunities to succeed and to thrive in this David and Goliath situation we find ourselves in. I'm out of time, but I sure appreciate you being here. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you on the Dusty Trail. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you found value in the message, I would be so grateful if you would subscribe and share to help spread the word. Until next time we meet on the Dusty Trail, I'm Amanda Radke, and this is the heart of rural America.